Amen. And then also, uh, as we get into our message this morning, as I said, we're putting this into a teaching syllabus type book. And that, and so we have the first uh, 22 pages, I think, done and uh, compiled out there. So we have a bunch of these out there. And uh, we're, actually, uh, we're actually selling these. And there's a reason behind putting these out there. These are $5 each. And the reason is, every outline I give you is free. Amen. And I found this. Things that are free don't mean that much to us. Because if I lose it, it didn't cost me anything. But if I actually pay the money to buy a book, I might study it. I might read it. The, the things I pay for, I give more attention to, and, and, I, and I use and honor or respect differently in my life. And this lessons that we're putting together on this are so important. You are called to be people of the Spirit. That's what you are. You're, you're Spirit. Amen. And so in that, that means that you need to understand what your relationship is with God through the Holy Spirit. So we're doing this. This is going to be a complete season. It'll be about 80 pages when it's done. But I'm not able. You, you have two excerpts, last week's message and this week's message. There are two excerpts out of this. And uh, we'll try to get part of that. But there's more in here than just what you have in your outline. I can't put in those three pages there everything that, you know, I want to say or do. So there's an introduction here about my pastor, everything else. But this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking our men in our Bible study. I'm asking you to focus in right now. Christians do a lot of this. I listen to this guy. I listen to that guy. I read this thing. I read that thing. We're all over the map. We're just, we're like shotgun believers. We're just, I'm into this. I'm into that. Have you heard this guy? I Googled this guy. I did this thing. Let me give you a word. Focus. Focus. God can't talk to you if you're scattered everywhere. If, if every week you have a new voice you're listening to. And so focus in on what God wants to say in your life. In this day, in this hour, you need to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to lead and guide you into what? How many know in this day we need to have just a little bit of truth in our lives? And so you need a relationship with God by His Holy Spirit. And it's become even more evident as we move on through some things. So this morning, just before we dive in, I'm going to give you a little bit of introduction before we get into our lesson this morning. Did you bring your Bibles? All right, let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your living word that is alive, it is active, it is powerful, and it is transformational in our lives when we allow it to be sown in our hearts. We guard it and we protect it. It brings forth your life in us. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we will get there in a minute. I just want you there, so when I get there, you're with me. Amen. But uh, with this this morning, I'd like to just give you an introduction, a little bit about our church and dealing with this, is that we have a mission statement that's very simple. It's called Reach, Raise, and Release. What are we doing here as a church? We're, we're just here to reach people, to raise them, and then to release them. Reaching people is evangelism. Why do we want to go out in the community? Why do we want to do other things? Because you have to reach people. You have to go to where people are. Amen? So we want to reach. Reaching is evangelism. Raising is discipleship. And I said it to you last week. We're not about just making converts. We're about making disciples. Jesus didn't say go into all the world to make converts. He said go into all the world to make disciples. Discipleship involves teaching. It involves training. It involves instruction. And so we grow in that. And then releasing is about ministry. We reach people through evangelism. We disciple them through raising them. And then we release them into ministry to do what God's called you to do, to train you, to equip you, and then to release you for God's power to flow through your life. Because we're called to the Lord, and then we're sent from Him, being empowered by Him. God calls you to Himself, and then He empowers you from Himself. That's what the Holy Spirit is. God gives you His life, His Spirit, His power, His gifts, ability. He gives you, He calls you to Himself, empowers you from Himself, and sends you for himself into the world. So we are called to him, we are empowered by him, and we are sent for him into the world. Could you say amen? That's what Christianity is all about, is to go and share what we've received with others. And the reason we do that is that, that every person would be rich in souls 
and have a great reward in heaven. Our goal is to reach you, raise you, release you, so that you would go forth and be used by God. And when you get to heaven, you would have a great harvest of souls that are connected to your life. Amen. Amen. People, you're connected to people. God uses you to everything he does in the earth. He does through people to reach people. Amen. And you can't, this is what we cannot do. You can't delegate the ones you're supposed to reach to somebody else. Amen. God has purpose for every one of our lives and a sphere of influence in that area. And so our goal as a church, we want to live the Great Commission. Amen. Want to live that. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Before he left, he commissioned his disciples, his followers. It wasn't just to gather. It wasn't just to have a time we get together and then go on about life. But there's a commission, a command, a sending upon our lives. Would you agree? And that is just, if you would, simply to live for the harvest. That we would live for God's harvest in and through our life. Meaning to love the lost of our world and to give our lives to see them saved. I talked to the men yesterday at our men's breakfast, and, I, and we just talked about hell. And that if we ever got a vision of hell, we would become a greater witness. Because if you saw hell, and you saw what eternal torment is, and what is before people who reject God, and what it, what it means to be eternally tormented, eternally separated from the presence of God, being able to see from hell into heaven for all of eternity, and see where you could have been, you would never want anybody to go there. You would never again to say anybody, go to hell. You, you, you would never lightly use that expression. Because saying to somebody, go to hell, is to mean be tormented, be separated, be just in inexcrucible, unexplainable, uncomprehendable torment for all of eternity. You'd never say that again. But I would be moved with compassion to never want anybody go there. And especially if I was equipped to reach them so they wouldn't go there. That's what God does for our life through the Holy Spirit. He equips us by His Spirit to reach people so nobody ever has to go to hell. That's His heart. God's not willing that any would what? perish but all would come to repent and be reconciled back to him and so even as a church and part of what i feel like god is having us do for our church and where we're going is just this is to make a shift as a church and who we are as a congregation and that is this to move from our focus off of just sunday to monday through saturday so it's easy to focus on something we got together go to church go to church go to church but we're not supposed to just go to church we're supposed to go out and be the church Amen. And we do that when I understand who the Holy Spirit is and how he's equipped me and how he works in my life. Then it empowers me to go out and to be what he's called us to be and empowered us to be. And so that Sunday wouldn't be a one day celebration. It'd be a six day celebration. Amen. We come together and celebrate what God did six days through our life. Not just hoping what he might do one day in our life. Would you say Amen. All right, so let me give you a couple of thoughts before we get to this this morning, and there's some areas in here that I wanted to touch, but as we get into the Holy Spirit, let me say that this a relationship with God is not something you get from one message. You're not going to get this just by hearing Sunday morning messages. You're going to get this by desiring a relationship with God and pursuing it. That's why the Bible says when it comes to spiritual gifts, it says desire spiritual gifts, pursue spiritual gifts, go after spiritual gifts. Amen. So relationship with God, a relationship with anybody is something that you have to go after. If I just met Eli for the first time, I said, hey, Eli, how you doing? He said, fine. I said, I'm Don. I'm Eli. We meet. But for that to go any further, we're going to have to pursue relationship. Just being introduced to somebody is not a relationship. It's an introduction. And that's what even conversion is. When you pray the sinner's prayer, that's not the end of it. That's your introduction to your Savior. Now, to live a life with him, you're going to have to pursue getting to know him. You're going to have to desire to know who he is and to find out about who he is. And, and that's why I'm putting this together. I would encourage you to make getting to know the Holy Spirit and wanting to see God's power manifest in your life. Make that your focus Agree with me. Let's come into a place of unity. Let's make pursuing God and learning about how to have a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit our focus for a season. Everybody just say focus. focus. 
Amen. There's a lot of great prayer. I listen to a lot of great guys. I have a lot of great friends. I love listening to other preachers. There are different guys I listen to. One of my favorite is Pastor Robert Morris. I love his clarity, his simplicity, and that. I love the way he teaches. But there's times when you just need to listen to the Lord. When there's one voice that needs to be in your life, and that's the Lord's voice. And then you go, well, I'm into that. I heard this. I heard this. I heard that. Yeah, but what are you getting? You're hearing, but what's getting in you? And so in order for the Word of God to get in you, you have to focus on that, and you have to give God some undivided attention. Amen? So I'm praying you'll have a hunger for that. So it's not something you get just by hearing a sermon, a message, a teaching. This is to be desired, sought after, and pursued as a relationship with God by His Spirit. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. When Jesus went into the temple... In Matthew chapter 21, it says that he drove out the money changers and things that weren't there. When God comes into our lives, he starts to remove the things that don't belong there. Does the same thing in the church and everything else. He removes what isn't there, what isn't supposed to be there, and he brings us back to a place of purity. And then once he restores purity, then the next thing that happens is he restores prayer in our life. Or in other words, communication, right relationship. Many of the reasons we don't have a good prayer life is because we don't have proper purity in our lives. And we feel like, man, if I go to prayer, God's going to talk to me about some stuff. I know, I know I'm, I, the Holy Spirit's been convicting me and I haven't been dealing with it. So if I don't deal with it and I go to God in prayer, he's going to bring this up. Doing all right? So we avoid prayer. But purity opens that door and gives us confidence to approach God in prayer. But when we get purity and we have proper prayer restored in our life, the next thing that followed in Matthew 21 was power is released. There was purity, there was prayer, and then there was power. The healing power of God was back in the church. And then what followed out of that was perfected praise. So that's the plan of God for our life. He calls us to a life of purity. He calls us to a life of prayer and relationship with Him. That His power might be manifest in our life and that our praise might be perfected. Amen? And so he works in our lives for that glory. And so as we press into the Spirit of God, we find out that there are things that he begins to deal with us about. But anything God reveals, he always does so he can heal. God never reveals without the desire to heal or to set us free or to bring liberty into our lives. Would you agree this morning? That's how he works. So we don't want to be afraid of that. As we said last week, we're called to be people of God's voice. When it calls to be his voice, when I'm not in right relationship with God and I know I've messed up, we become like Adam in the garden. When man's heart isn't right before God, he hides from his voice. And many times that's what's gone on in our church. Why have we lost the voice of the Holy Spirit in the church? Because when God's voice speaks, he reveals. And just God saying something as simple as, hey, where are you, can cause us to hide. Amen? Amen? And so God hears, Adam hears the voice of God, and he runs from him. And when we're not right with God, we run from his voice as well. God doesn't want you running from his voice. He wants you running to his voice. Amen? So God is working in our lives. Hallelujah. And so this morning, let me give you just a couple of other areas. We finished up talking about the kingdom of God last week, and we skipped over some things for time's sake in that. But I want to bring us back to a place that we're talking about the church in the now. Understand that's where we are, God's church in the now, right now, where we live, and what is God doing in our life. The church in the now is what God is doing. So we're not to your outline yet. That's why it's better if you have the, the book. You had the book, you'd be following with, but we just made them available so you can get them and next week. But I want you to go back. I really want you to study this. I'm, I'm just, I don't always tell people, the reason I give outline is so that if you're hungry, you would have something to go back and study and not have to take all the notes. Because I'm never going to be a piecemeal preacher. I'm, I'm never going to be able to do a sermonette. That's not my call. That's not my anointing. That's not my gifting. And so if you want sermonette, you're always going to get overloaded here. And so I, I just stay in, in, in my zone. Amen? And so God's called me to people who just want th this area here and that. But you, you still aren't going to retain everything. That's why when you go to school, they don't just make you listen to lectures. They give you textbooks. They give you books to go with what you hear. So you won't just listen to the lecture. You'll go study about the course you're taking. Are you doing all right? 
That's why the Bible says that, that for us, we're, study, we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. Every Christian needs to study God's word. It's his word to you. So when I, if I have questions about God, he's answered all of your questions. He's given you, it's, listen, life is an open book test. You should not be failing. That was really good. Amen. If I'm failing life, it's because I'm not using the answer book. Well, can you tell me where they are? No. No. Go find out yourself. If I have to go find out, you do too. Amen? So go get the answer and desire to know. So the church is God's kingdom in the earth. That's what you are. We're God's kingdom. If the church goes out, the kingdom goes out. Jesus said like this in Luke. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's why it's important for you to study. Because we've said people get things all confused, all mixed up when it comes to kingdom theology and everything else. And people don't understand the difference between the nation of Israel and the church and what God is doing. As we shared with you last week, the two rails of, of biblical prophecy and what God's doing in the earth and, and, and what he's performing. The church is for individuals. Israel is for nations. God's dealing with individuals and he's going to deal with nations. You get in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the judgment of the world and the nations of the world. World. Not individual judgment. It's people in there who have rejected God, but everything is about nations and nations coming against and armies and nations. It's not individual. Are you listening to me? But if you mix those up, all kinds of confusion. But at that point, John, as a representative of the church, is told in Revelation chapter 4, come up hither and I'll show you the things that will be hereafter. And so when he's up there, his perspective is from heaven looking down, not from earth looking up. He's looking down at what's happening on the earth during the book of during the time of the tribulation or God's wrath upon a God and Christ rejecting world. Are you doing all right? But the church is gone, so the kingdom is not in the earth. The kingdom of God, the church, the body of Christ. And as I said, everything that's been given to Israel, every promise to Israel is earthly. Every promise to the church is heavenly. Doing all right? So stay with that. So God, in working in his heart, God brings his church into this glorious place where we are. But God has to make a change on the inside of us. So why do I need to be born again? Because I can't function in the kingdom of God just with head knowledge about God. I have to be made alive unto God. Are you doing all right? So we have to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so with that new birth comes this new spiritual nature. So when you accept Christ, you're born of the Spirit. You believe the Word. You receive Him. His nature comes into you. And then God begins to develop that nature. And then that new nature is changed and equipped for kingdom purpose and body operation. The kingdom of God is not a spectator sport. But listen, and, and I said it last week, the kingdom of God is never supposed to have been just one voice. It's not about one voice. I don't go to church just to listen to a pastor preach. I go to church because God made the body one body, and, and we have one collective voice. We have the voice of the Spirit. My ministry in preaching or any teaching or preaching is part of one collective voice. It's not supposed to be the voice. It's supposed to be part of the collective voice. Are you doing all right? But th this is so foreign to our, our world today. See, the early church, we have unlearned the Holy Spirit. And we have unlearned what it means to be the church. So let me just interject this right here because we're equipped... We're placed in the body of Christ. Let me ask you this. What kind of supply can a man bring to a spiritual body? What kind of supply? What, what do you and I have to bring into this thing called the body of Christ? This is, there's nothing natural about what we're here to do today. About why we gather. This is where we assemble. And as we assemble, we become, as Ephesians 2 says, a habitation for God by His Spirit. That's supernatural. That, that we create a, a building, an atmosphere, a body that God breathes his life into it. That's what we're to be expecting. That as we gather, <coughs> excuse me, God's going to manifest himself, his life in us. Amen? 
And so we think, so, so what are we going to bring? What natural supply can a man bring to a spiritual body? We can't bring anything. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let me just read a little bit with this with you, beginning in verse 1. Look at what it says. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Chapter 12 ends like this. It says, but earnestly desire, verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And we know it goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. And so this is what we've done. We've said, well, we're going to desire a more excellent way, so we're going to throw away the gifts and just major in love. But Paul says, hey, what he talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 is the motive of your heart. Having the right motive. He doesn't say don't do away with it. But he said if you get motives and you get attitudes wrong, then it doesn't matter what you do spiritually. It's going to be canceled out by the attitude of your heart. Doing all right? So he he says, pursue love but desire spiritual gifts. He ends chapter 12 again saying... But earnestly, somebody say earnestly. Earnestly "Earnestly desire. Listen to that statement. Earnestly desire spiritual gift. Let me say this to you this way. This is your personal choice. You have to, each individual, this is written to every individual. Desire, you desire. So let me ask you in your walk with God, what do you desire? I just want to go hear a good message, Pastor. Hope you have something good to say today. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that's all you're after? Man, that's a cheap date. <laughs> Amen. But desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the best gifts. But then after talking about love, look what he says. He finishes chapter 13, goes right in chapter 14. And let me just put you like this. Chapters and verses are put in there for the, re- for the ease of reference. So we can research them and resource them easily. We, we can get to areas easily. We can, they're, they're, they're addresses. And so we, we can find that. What, what's that verse's address? So I can go there. I can look that up. I can find it quickly and easily. But Paul didn't write. The Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was written as one complete letter. So he finished one thought, and he follows up that thought in verse 14, chapter 1. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. He goes back, right back to make love your issue, but then desire spiritual gifts. But look what he said. But especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks what? Mystery. I want you to keep that verse in mind, because if we have enough time, we'll, we'll hit that again here in just a minute. For he who speaks in, a, in, in, in the Spirit, however, in the Spirit, he speaks mystery. But he who prophesies, watch this, speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Amen? How many know the word of the Lord this morning brought edification, exhortation, and comfort? So the Spirit of God always wants to encourage. He always wants to exhort you. He always wants to comfort you. And so Paul said, desire that when you come to church, that you have a desire to edify the body, to strengthen the body. You live in a culture, you live in a society that comes to the church and says, do that to me. We don't come to give, we come to receive. Doing all right? And so you you have to have a paradigm shift. You have to go through a a, a transformation of how you approach church. Church is where we come to give. And if I give, receiving always follows giving. Kingdom principle is you reap what you If I go to church and I'm not receiving anything, I'm probably not sowing much. Moving right along. Amen. Hallelujah. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, comfort men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies, watch this, edifies the church. The word edify means strengthen, builds up, makes strong. God wants you to do that. 
I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets. Why? That the church may be what? Edify. So it's good to edify ourselves. It's good to do that, to strengthen yourself. Do that. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in other tongues. And build yourself up among your most holy faith. But when you get strong in the Lord, strengthen somebody else. That's what God wants you. He says, I'll give you strength. I'll help you. But when I make you strong, I make you strong so you'll bring strength to others. Yes. Hallelujah. And so, but that's something, listen, God isn't going to, everybody look up here just for a second. God will never make you do anything. God is not going to make you. People say, well, you know, I'd do it if God would make me. You can be waiting a long time. He won't make you. That's why, I look at desire and pursue. That's on you, on me. If I'm going to flow in the things of the Spirit, if I'm going to operate in the anointing of God, I have to pursue that. I have to desire that. I have to go after that. I'm married to my wife because I pursued her. I saw her. I said, hey, that's worth pursuing. I desired her. I went after her. I obtained her. Amen. That's the way it works. Our problem is, is we don't find the Holy Spirit attractive. We should be attracted to him. I was attracted to my wife. I pursued her. I wanted to be with her. And I was willing to give up anything and everything for her. Amen. Because I failed once not doing that. And that's what happened. Marriage is just like your relationship with God. Are you doing all right? If you don't understand marriage, you're going to have a hard time walking with God. Because Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 when he talked about Marriage, he says, I'm not talking about marriage, I'm talking about the church. He says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I just want a woman to give herself to me. I just want the church to give itself to me. I just want everybody to give to me, give to me. I don't, I don't want to give any of that up. I'm not giving that up. I'm not giving this up. I'm not giving that up. You're going to have to love me the way I am. This is a really good message this morning. None of this is in this book. <laughs> then we wonder why marriage doesn't work. You know what people say when they begin to divorce and break up? I'm not getting anything out of this anymore. This isn't working. For, I, 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 this isn't work. I, I don't feel it anymore. Well, Bubba, if you get married because you want to feel it, you're going to miss the boat altogether. Because love has nothing to do with feeling. I said this to the men yesterday. You've heard me say it before. Love, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but somebody needs to hear this. I'm serious. God doesn't mess up in this area. Love has nothing to do with how you feel. Love is centered in your will. Love is, I will to love you. I choose to love you. Regardless of what you do, I choose you. When you make a marriage vow, you say, I choose you for the rest of my life. I choose to do life with you for the rest of my life. Regardless of whatever comes. Our marriage vows used to say, I, people, I quit doing wedding. Because people say, well, I don't want traditional vows. I said, well, then don't get married. Because traditional vows say, all that I am... And all that I ever shall be, I give to you now. I no longer own myself. I give myself to you now. I give you ownership over my life. And the exchange of vows is the other one says, all that I am and all that I ever shall be, I give to you now. And the exchange of rings is the declaration that I am given to another. I'm no longer my own. I'm given to another. And in Christ Jesus, that's what we do. Paul says, I, Paul, a bond slave. 
He said, I was set free from sin, but I choose to make myself and to give myself to be the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. I give up the right to my life and I live to serve him. And when a man lives to please his wife, when a man gives himself to his wife, then you will always reap what you sow. When marriages break down, it's because there's been no sowing and somebody's only been reaping. And you get to a place where somebody said, I have no more love to give because they've been bankrupted. Because withdrawals have been made with no deposits. Are you doing all right? And so in our walk with God, we, we have to be willing to give ourselves to Him, to pursue Him, to desire Him, to go after Him with all that we are. And then when we catch Him, we give Him everything we are. The great thing with God is, is He makes the same vow to you. When you say to Jesus, I give you my life, all that I am, all that I ever want to be, I give it to you now. My life is yours. He exchanges vows with you, and He says, I give you my life. God gives you His life. As we said, all that I am, all that I will ever be throughout eternity, ad infinitum, forever and ever, I give you my fullness. Glory to God. Listen, you're called the bride of Christ. The groom has completely given himself to you. Everything he has is yours. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So... We get fit for kingdom work. Look at chapter 14 a little bit more. Go all the way down to verse 26. Watch it. Do you know chapter 14 is the only chapter in your Bible that tells us how to have church? This is the only pattern for church in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26 says this. It says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a... Psalm has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for what? For edification. Let everything be done for the body to be ever. Or in other words, Paul says like this. How is it when you come together, each one of you has something to give? You're equipped to give by the Spirit of God. You're equipped to give. And Paul is setting order to a church that had gotten out of order. Let me ask you, how come really the only thing people want to get rid of when it comes to the gift of the Spirit is tongues? Almost everything is over tongues. I don't understand. Because that's the one thing we can't explain and understand with our natural mind. A word of knowledge, okay, I can understand that. A word of wisdom, I could get that. You know, everything else, we can kind of wrap our understanding around. Tongues goes, man, now that's some weird stuff. You're just going to be speaking languages. Don't make any sense. I don't understand. My brain doesn't understand what's going on. I just got to believe God. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's the one thing that begins by faith. Amen. It takes a leap of faith and trusting God to believe God. Amen. But it's so powerful in our lives. And it's so powerful that the, God, that the devil's made it the greatest point of contention. And he's ripping believers off left and right. Of a power that, listen, he, he that prays in an unknown tongue edifies and strengthens himself. Paul says, I wish everybody spoke in tongues. I wish y'all, he said, and Paul says, I pray in tongues more than y'all, good southern preacher. More than y'all. So, you could write this down, I gave it to you last week, but it says, there can be no vital Christianity apart from the Holy Spirit. There can be no vital Christianity apart from the Holy Spirit. In your life, desire a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Look at your outline, if you would, with me. As you're turning that, I'm going to read this one statement to you. The reason that the church, or so many like to call it today, organized religion, doesn't work for so many is because we have taken the spiritual life and power of God out of the church. We've replaced it with man's natural concepts and practices. Like early disciples, we have gone back to our nets and to what is natural. After the resurrection, they all looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? Peter said, hey, I'm going fishing. And we go right back, have an encounter, walk with God, this, and then we just go back to that natural place again. That's not the will of God for our life. And then the day of Pentecost, and it transformed everything. So the cover of your outline says this, the person of the Holy Spirit, God's gifts to himself, of himself, to all through Christ. 
He is God's chosen expression of himself in the earth in this age. Hear that. Holy Spirit is God's chosen expression of himself to all people in the earth in this age that you live in. Everything God is doing in the earth, he's doing in, through, and by his spirit. I'm going to put you like this. Most people pray to the Father, pray, the, pray, pray to Jesus, and doing this stuff. Jesus said, first of all, he said, don't pray to me. Go to the Father in my name. Amen? But most people focus on the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father and the Son, the Father and the Son, Father and the Son. Very few people know how to interact with the Holy Spirit, with God, the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we need to learn how to walk in that relationship. Before we can go any further into the gifts and ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit, we must be introduced to Him as a person. You need to know the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not Casper the friendly ghost. He's not a floating spirit. Amen? He's not some mystical thing. He's not something... To be, he is God. He's God expression of Himself. Hear me. He is a third of the Trinity of God. Trinity, according to Webster, is defined as the state of being three. Trinity means a state of being three. Do you know you are a triune being? You are a Trinity. You are a Trinity. You are a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. And each one of those characteristics about you has very distinct differences about it, but together they combine to make one person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are the three distinct characteristics of the nature of God combined as one God. Are you doing all right? And so for us, the Godhead is made up Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which together completes the triune nature of God. Scripture gives us numerous accounts of God in three persons. Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus going down in the water, the Holy Spirit descending upon a dove, and the Father speaking from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In one moment, you have all three manifest in one incident. Amen. John 14, verse 16, Jesus declares it is the promise of the Father. He says that I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to receive the promise of the Father, and then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three persons are mentioned in Scripture, cannot be denied as existing concurrently, meaning at the same time, yet as different persons having distinct and separate purpose in our lives for the unified purpose of our redemption. God is doing one thing. He's working for our redemption. God has a part in that. Jesus has a part in that. And the Holy Spirit has a part in that. And the fullness of it is we are redeemed. Amen? It's all about how he's bringing about our redemption. In Matthew 28, we're declared, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 is the apostolic benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. If you're there in 1 Corinthians 14, just turn back a page to chapter 12 and look at verses, <coughs> excuse me. And look at verses 4 through 6 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Watch this. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but what? The same spirit. Look at verse 5. There are diversities of ministries, but what? Okay, so gifts, watch this, gifts and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Verse 5, ministries and the Lord Jesus. Okay? Now watch this, verse 6. And there are diversities of what? Activities, but the same God who works all in all. So you have gifts, you have ministries, you have activity. You have 1 Corinthians 12 with the gifts of the Spirit. You have Ephesians chapter 4 with the ministries of Christ. And you have Romans chapter 12 with the activities of God. The gifts in Romans chapter 12 are about you, your personality, how you interact and, and exchange with one another, how, your activities in life, the way you conduct yourself. Thank you very much. That was really good. Amen. Raise your hand if your brain gets on overload. Amen. So now watch this. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and 33, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost in power. Amen? So those are just areas. But let me give this to you now. Attributes of personality are clearly seen in the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, it tells us that he searches the hearts of men. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, he works according to his own will and gives gifts to men. Isaiah 63, 10 and Ephesians 4, 30 says that he can be grieved, which reveals to us that he has mind, will, and emotion, which are the three attributes of the soul of personality. So I'm trying to tell you the Holy Spirit is a person. Most people never think about God, the Holy Spirit, in the same light as Jesus, the Son of God. We think of Jesus as a person. We think of the Father as a person. But people have different viewpoints of the Holy Spirit. We don't think of the person of the Holy Spirit in that context. Think about his personal activities are revealed through the scriptures. Genesis 6, 3, he strives with the heart of men. He speaks to our heart. John 14, 26, he teaches. John 15, 26, he testifies of Christ. John 16, 8, he reproves and convicts. John 16, 13, he guides us into all truth. Romans 8, verse 14, he leads us. Acts 9, 31, he comforts. Romans 8, 26, he intercedes for the saints and helps our weakness and infirmity in prayer. 1 Corinthians 2, 10, he searches the deep things of God. Acts, Romans 8, 16, he bears witness with our spirit. Acts 5, 3, he can be lied to. Acts 7, 51, he can be resisted. Matthew 12, 31 and 32, he can be spoken against or blasphemed. Blasphemy is stupid, sluggish, injurious speech. It means to rail or revile again, to speak contemptuously. So if if he's just a, a floating spirit, then there's, you can't really blaspheme that. But if he's a person, and you're speaking against him personally, God takes that very personal. Because he, he doesn't have that, 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 that corporate body. He has per, the, the, the attributes of a person, but he doesn't have a corporate body. The reason he doesn't have a corporate body in the earth like Jesus did uh, of a physical body is because you are his body. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God frames us together. And when the Holy Spirit to have a corporate body, that's a corporate anointing. Why does the devil work so hard to fragment the church and make everybody want to be an individual believer? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't have a body unless we make him one. But when we come together and we realize we are his body in the earth and he comes and he fills us and he fills the church, then he has full expression in the earth. Glory to God. Amen? So he comes. But the the note there, I like what what, uh, I put it in here from Vine's Expository Dictionary. It says, as to Christ's teaching concerning blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in Matthew 12, 32, that anyone with the evidence of the Lord's power before his eyes If they should declare it to be satanic, they have exhibited a condition of heart beyond divine illumination. Therefore, they are hopeless. If I can see the power of God, and this, people may, may not understand the gifts of the Spirit. People may not even be able to open their heart to hear truth concerning praying in tongues and other things. I pastored a church where people who were taught, raised up their whole life, that tongues was of the devil. There's even been big mainline preachers preach on that. John MacArthur wrote a whole book on strange fire against Pentecostal movement. Said the work of the devil. So that, to me, that's kind of shaky ground. And guys, get in there. If you, don't, if you don't believe it, leave it alone. But be careful about speaking against something that you're just resisting because you only choose to approach God with your head and not your heart. Because this is what it says here. It's because it declares it's exhibited condition of heart beyond divine illumination and therefore hopeless. Meaning divine forgiveness would be inconsistent with the moral nature of God. What does that mean? It is a heart that is self-hardened against the things of God. 
that I can self-harden my heart against the things of God. To get to a place where I could call the power of God demonic. As to the Son of Man, in his state of humiliation, there might be misunderstanding. But not so with the Holy Spirit's power demonstrated. So when God shows up, I can't explain everything God does. I don't understand why sometimes when we pray for people, the power of God lays them out. I don't understand that. I can't even explain that. I can give you some chapter and verse for it. And we don't major in that because we've learned. I love what Willie George said years ago. He says, never major in what God minors in. And so having ministry just to see how many people you can get to fall down. Jesus never ministered, majored in making people fall down. He majored in setting people free. And sometimes when the power of God hits people, you can't contain it. Amen. God could, I, guarantee, I can guarantee you right now. I guarantee you right now. The Bible says that, that, that in, in, in Chronicle that the glory of the Lord. That, that was my scripture on the wall. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest couldn't stand to minister. See, the glory of God. Glory, the definition of glory is weight. Are you still with me this morning? The definition of glory is the weight of God. The, the, the glory of God, the weight of God sits down. And when the glory sits down on you, you sit down. You, you just, you, you, you can't carry the weight of God. And sometimes when you're praying for people, the glory of God just falls upon them. The weight of God. And they can't stand under the weight of his glory and his presence. That's just what the disciple, I mean, the, 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 the people came to, to arrest Jesus in the garden. And you can read in John. And, and says, Jesus said, hey, who, who are you looking for? He said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. The minute he said, I am, the whole guard fell backwards to the ground. The declaration of I am, the power of God, knocked all of them down. And then they get back up and he goes, uh, who are you looking for? <laughs> I don't know if we want to ask that question again. <laughs> Amen? But, but see, so, you, so when you try to explain that, that's where we get it. Here's when it comes to the Holy Spirit. How many have ever had a person who wanted you to explain everything about yourself and why you do everything to them? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? It's like hanging out with a three-year-old. Why? 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 I just told you why. How come I have to sit down? Because I said Why? How come the ice cream's cold? Because it's frozen. Why? So when you do, how many know that's annoying? <laughs> so why do you do that to God? Why? 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 It's better to say, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because when I just say, Okay. This is, what, this is what I say to God. God, I trust you, and I believe you. And I just say, okay. I believe everything you've declared is for my good. That God is for my good, not against me. God is for me, not against me. Amen? Bill, if you come back to keyboard, we have to close. So in getting through this, it's going to take us a while to get through these lessons. But I want you to be introduced to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just finish this up by just giving you these two points on personality and corporate and then we want to pray with you this morning. It's important to understand the difference between personality and corporate. Personality is being a person. Having the faculties and attributes of a person constitutes a person, regardless if that person customarily resides in a physical body. So the Holy Spirit has mind, will, and emotions. And he, as we read in scripture, he can be interacted with and he interacts with us as a person. Would you agree? Yes. So he has personality. He's a person. Corporeity is having a body. Our trouble is, is that some cannot believe or understand that anything which is invisible and intangible in the physical realm and not having a body can be a person. How can I interact with God as a person if I can't touch, see him? We shared the video on Easter of Thomas. What did Thomas say? Unless I can touch, unless I can see, unless I can feel, I can't believe. 
And when I reduce down God to that realm, the only one missing out is me. Jesus said, yeah, Thomas, you've seen. But how blessed are those who believe and have never seen. So when we start believing God like that. Jesus said in Luke 24, he said, flesh and bone does not have, uh, spirit does not have flesh and bone. He said to the woman at the well, this is what he said, God is what? Spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and true. So when we say God is spirit, we got cool. Because we all got an image of a big gray-haired guy on a throne in heaven. Everybody gives God a body image. Michelangelo has the finger of God, you know, pointing out on the Sistine Chapel. It's easy to give God a body. Somehow when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the best he gets is a dove. Amen. Because he descended... He descended, listen, and, and, and we always, it didn't say as a dove, it said like as. It, it, it looked like, the, 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 the presence of God looked like, it, it had a form that was similar to look like. It's just like on the day of Pentecost, he came with things that looked like tongues of fire. Something that sounded like, see, like as is not the same as is. So the Holy Spirit isn't a dove. It's just a symbol in the body that we've given him. I'm trying to help you change your image of his body. I'm trying to help you see you are the body of the Holy Spirit. Paul said you are his temple. He lives in you. And he's supposed to be seen in the earth in you. That's always gotten me. I said, God, wait a minute. <laughs> you, no way. You're, you're, you're going to come into this. You put your life in me. And then you're going to express your life through me to others and if I can believe you want to put your life in me and to express your life through me to others you will literally flow through my life and set captives free what are you kidding are you kidding God, you do that. You, you put your life in our bodies. You make us the, the place that you reside in. And then you choose to have your life flow through us and, and to touch, touch others with your, not us, with your life through us. And somehow they're delivered and they're set free. They're made whole. They're, they're made healed. They're, they're broke. Bondages are broken off of their lives. God, you want to do that? Sign me up. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning.